Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister here at the Christian Products Expo, Lexington, Kentucky. Andrew, how you doing? Doing good, Matt, how are you? You woke up in the middle of the night and found a cockroach in your bathroom. I did, uh, but they... Uh... Uh, I texted the front desk, and they made it right. They sent somebody up, um, but yeah, it was it was pretty big. Uh, it was it was big enough to name, take home as a pet. So, um, a cucaracha. See, see, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I uh, I got through it. I've got a little bit of caffeine in me now, and and uh, we're gonna power through. So we're here at the Christian Products Expo. Thanks to Joyce Barbati, one of our board members and owner of TJ's Christian Bookstore in Cedar Falls, for the recommendation. And we've had eight great interviews so far. The one you're going to hear today right here is Erica Wiggenhorn. And Erica has written some Bible studies for women. She lives in Arizona. She did some ministry in prison, women's prison in Arizona. And uh, we had a delight. Not as an inmate. Not as an inmate, but uh, it was interesting. She talked about how one of the things that she was kind of wrecked with in that was you had these women who were locked up, but who were more spiritually free than she was a free person. And uh, they knew scripture because they spent a lot of time in it. And uh, so people are going to enjoy this conversation. And I'm thankful that we met Erica and wish you Erica I know you'll be listening the best with these books and with your ministry and thanks for your time everybody else you're gonna love this interview so enjoy it hello everybody Matt Reister here I'm at the 2022 CPE that's Christian Products Expo in Lexington Kentucky and We've been here for a day now. We've already got a bunch of interviews in the bag. There's several that you can go back and listen to on this podcast. I won't regale you with them. But I get to be with Erica Wiggenhorn right now. And Erica has written a book called An Unexpected Revival, Experiencing God's Goodness Through Disappointment and Doubt. So Erica, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. You're my first interview. And so it just always takes a little while to get the engine going and... (laughs) that I feel that so how long have you been here just last night just last night were you yes. down in that whole thing I was that's chaos down there I've never <laughs> been to this thing <laughs> that yeah that's speed dating for authors and retailers my goodness <laughs> and it was loud yes is it, have you been to any of these before CPEs oh yes this is my fifth CPE so where are the other ones at are they always in Lexington no they shift them around, so there's always a summer show and a winter show, mm-hmm. and they're usually in the Midwest, East Coast area, so we've been all over Tennessee, Missouri, Delaware, Kentucky. I can't imagine 
Is it always that loud? And is it always right down there? Because I mean, well, I was this talking is to the someone. First year it's been here in Kentucky. This okay. Is the first time. So. Because I was talking to somebody and trying to hear them, and we were shouting at each other, and you couldn't even hear. <laughs> it was. I'm like, I wonder if they thought about this, how how loud it is. But, That's very good feedback. I will pass that. Along. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I I actually talked to a guy. One of the guys I interviewed yesterday has bipolar and that's what he's written about okay and he was like getting triggered like he was he was like having to talk himself off flipping out because or just walking out yeah because it was so loud and i thought well see matt i live with uh two teenagers who like to have all their friends over so i'm really used to loud i hear that didn't affect me at all (laughs) so tell us uh your story kind of from the beginning did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you come to faith later? Was it kind of a meandering road like a lot of us? Or sure. how did you come to faith in Christ? I did not come to faith in Christ until later. I was actually a high school student, and I was led to the Lord through our pastor, our youth pastor. Uh, my grandparents ended up moving in with us, and if you ever met my grandfather, you would know there was absolutely no way you would live under his roof and not go to church on a Sunday morning. <laughs> where, so, was, where was this at? <laughs> this is in Southern California. Okay. So uh, my grandparents moved from Tennessee to Southern California. We began attending church, and that was uh, pretty much my first exposure, really, to Christianity at all. I mean, I had heard about Jesus and I had a Bible that my great grandmother had given me but we didn't go to church regularly it wasn't a part of our lives and um, when I came to know the Lord Matt I remember uh, the day that you know I got sprinkled in our particular denomination I've been in one of those (laughs) and they handed me my student Bible with all of Jesus's words in red letters yeah And Pastor Mark said, Erica, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to need to read this book every day. You're going to need to talk to God every day in prayer. And and we call that a quiet time. Well, I don't really like to be quiet. I don't really (laughs) like to sit still. And so this was already a bit of a problem for me. But then when I opened it up, I thought, well, I'll start with the red letters. Yeah. Right? Makes sense. Jesus. I've got to get to know Jesus. So yeah. I began to read the red letters and Jesus is talking about wheat tares and plowshares and mustard seeds and yokes and oxen. And I grew up in LA, man. Like I've never even seen an (laughs) oxen. I mean, and I remember sitting there as a teenager and saying to Jesus, crying out and saying, how am I supposed to follow you when I can't even understand you? Interesting. I have, I have no idea what any of this means. I don't know what you're talking about. The eye is the lamp of the body. What? What are you? Yeah. Wheat tears. I, I don't know. And so I honestly struggled for years, Matt, to read my Bible. And yeah. I felt guilty about it. Yeah. I felt guilty because I knew if I was going to follow Jesus, if I was a good Christian girl, I was supposed to read this thing. Yeah. Um, but when I opened it up, it was like hieroglyphics. I couldn't yeah. understand it. And then I felt ashamed yeah. because I heard so many uh, women I would go to church and these women would talk about how God spoke to them through their Bible and I was like well that is God is not speaking to me (laughs) Um, and so then I was like well maybe I'm not really saved and it it just became this big crisis in my life honestly um, on my faith journey 
And what I've discovered over the years, Matt, is that there are a lot of Christians in that same boat. Yeah. They don't understand the Bible. They feel guilty because they don't really desire to read it. Yeah. When they do read it. They don't really get it. Yeah. Or even if they sort of get it, they don't know how to apply it to their lives. Totally. And so it sits on a shelf and they feel ashamed about it. Um, and that really became the whole catalyst for me wanting to become a Bible study writer because I thought, man, if I could have just had somebody sit next to me and yeah. explain this book, yeah. like give me the secret Dakota ring, man. Yeah. Like I need some help here. Um, it would have totally changed the trajectory yeah. of my faith journey. We, we have a, I was telling you about one of our podcasts called the CC podcast, Daily Dose Devotions. We do a Bible overview five days a week chunk of scripture we've done 730 some episodes we're in the middle of luke right now started in genesis and one of the main drivers behind that was exactly what you put your finger on which is the biblical illiteracy of people and the shame and guilt that piles up and the hope that if we could kind of take this in bite-sized pieces give a little bit of an explanation do it on a podcast that you can listen to quick that it might help some people get in God's word who aren't. And what's funny is I'm one of the first examples of that. Like I got to get up and prepare this thing every day. And I'm not real disciplined about being in God's word. And I've been walking with the Lord for my whole life and being a ministry leader. And I'm kind of on and off, you know, within scripture. And there are parts of it that I just never took the time to, digest or understand so just kind of I don't know you know keep this at an arm's length because I don't understand it but yeah that's that's a great um I I resonate with the motive that you had to start this as you experienced that for yourself but then also saw a lot of people who don't understand scripture are intimidated by it uh don't know how to digest it so great yeah so then when was that like uh, timeline, you, you you said that you gave your life to Christ in high school. Sure. And a, about how much later did you come to this kind of epiphany? Like a long time? A long time. Yeah. A long time. And that's why I say it would have changed the trajectory of my faith because I, you know, I was close to God in certain seasons and yeah. not close to God because I didn't know, I didn't understand how to cultivate a relationship with God because yeah. I wasn't in the word ever. Um, and so I was like, you know, if I was in a certain season where I was really struggling, maybe I was talking to God more or listening to worship music more, you know. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't ever really diligent about being in the Word. And that did not happen until I was like 30 years old. Yeah. And so, so you're talking, I mean, in over a decade. Yep. I think you put your finger on something else that's really important that our listeners maybe need to hear again. And that is, you're basically saying you can't cultivate a relationship with God if you're not in his word. That's right. And there are a lot of people, you mentioned a second ago, that there's a lot of Christians in this boat who don't know what to do with scripture, don't understand stuff, aren't in it. But I think there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who think that they can have a relationship with God apart from being in his word, right? I would agree. I would agree. And you can. I mean, you can have faith in Jesus, obviously, and be saved. But in terms of, like, a a growing relationship, that's tough. I kind of equate it like this. Like, 
let's imagine my husband asked me, and he says, you know, honey, we haven't spent a lot of time together. So Friday night, you and me, no kids, just the two of us, we're going to go out on a date. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, great. And I'm looking forward to it. And we get to the restaurant, and we slide into the booth. And no sooner do we slide into the booth than my phone dings. Yeah. And I realize I have forgotten to do something for the kids at school. And so I pull out my phone and I'm, you know, looking through my phone, trying to pay this thing online or whatever. And I get that done. And then that reminds me when I put my phone back that I forgot to go pick up the dry cleaning. And so then I'm pulling out Mm -hmm. the dry cleaning receipts and I'm tucking them in a special place in my purse. Mm -hmm. How long is it going to be before my husband stops talking to me? Mm because I'm distracted, Mm -hmm. right? And he wants my full attention. He has called me away for this time, on this date, just the two of us, Mm -hmm. because he wants to share his heart with me. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know how patient a man you are, but my husband would shut down after about five seconds. He'd be like, you know what, when you're done doing your thing and you're ready to pay attention and engage here, I have some things I wanna share with you. And I think we do this with God all the time. Mm. It's like, we know we have the relationship. Mm-hmm. My husband's no less my husband because I'm distracted right. at this moment. But I haven't heard his heart yeah. in a long time mm-hmm. because I haven't stopped and given him my full attention. Yeah. And that's what we do with God. God's mm. like, you know what? I've got, I've got so much in this book I want to reveal to you. I want to share my heart with you. I want to share my plans I have for you. I want to share the dreams I have for you. Mm-hmm. But you need to let me know when you're going to put your phone down, Mm -hmm. when you're going to put your to-do list down, and you're going to give me your full attention so I can share my heart with you. And so I think we're just, it's not that we don't have a relationship with God. Yeah. Because he's still our father. Of course. He still loves us. Yep. It's that we miss out Mm -hmm. on all of the things that are on God's heart that he wants to share with us. Mm -hmm. Um. I want to go two different directions right now, and I'm going to go this way, which is, you mentioned your family. Just tell us about your family. Yeah. You're married. You've got some kids. I'm married. I've been married to my best friend, Jonathan, for almost 30 years. Awesome. So a long time. Did Um, you guys meet back in high school, college? We met in college. Awesome. We met in college at Azusa Pacific University Mm -hmm. in Southern California. That's where we both grew up. And we have two kids. Uh, we have a daughter who's going off to college uh, right here in Lexington, actually, wow. uh, at Asbury University. She just graduated from high school? She did. My son just graduated. He's here with me now. Okay. He's still up in bed, I think. But <laughs> Well, my daughter still asleeps, too. <laughs> and uh, we have a son who's a junior in high school this okay. year. So. Awesome. So uh, the other place I wanted to go at that fork in the road back there was when people get in that rut of being in a relationship, no less a child of God by faith in Christ, but they're not hearing the heart of God. Uh, Some of them just start heaping guilt and shame on themselves because they're not doing this right. And you alluded to that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But do you see that? (laughs) What's your message to women who are listening right now who are going, you know what, I haven't opened my Bible for a long time. If I was gonna, I wouldn't know where to start. And frankly, I don't really want to. Yeah. Uh, but but, but who have this kind of underlying guilt, like they look around at some of their Christian girlfriends and they're like, 
they seem to be doing this and I don't measure up to them and right. I'm yeah. sure you run into that all the time. Oh, 100%. And I mean, you just described me, Matt, to a T. Okay. You described me to a T. And I think, you know, there's a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, our enemy wants us to feel like we're the only one. Yeah. Right. Where I'm the only one who doesn't read my Bible. I'm the only one who doesn't understand my Bible. Um, and secondly, um, especially with women today, the amount of distraction and the amount of the shoulds yeah. is astronomical. Because when we go on social media, we see... <clears throat> You know, this mom over here who makes organic yeah. food and this mom over here who has, a, you know, a Pinterest worthy home and this mom over here who's got her, you know, beach body workout routine, you know, and we're just like, I can't do all the things like I'm barely surviving. Yes. Here, right. And and let's I'm just going to be real raw and honest I love for a it. minute. Yep. Uh, even church culture propagates this yeah. because we are often. Uh, told as women, you know, if if somebody needs to sign up for the meal train, we're a bad Christian if we don't agree to bring a casserole. Yeah. And if they need help in the nursery, we're a bad mom if we don't sign up. And if they need help with, you know, vacation Bible school, um, you know, we better be Johnny on the spot yeah. and taking over one of the stations. Um, and so as women, we just feel com- we live in a state of overwhelm. And so for somebody to come along and say, well, you should also read your Bible. It's just like, I already can't do all the shits. Um, And so here's, here's the thing that I would say specifically is God never intended our study of his word to be done in isolation. When we look at scripture, we look at the Old Testament, how they studied the word. They studied it as a school, right? They studied it the Bet Midrash. Um, they studied it in community. And so I think part of our problem is, is culturally, we're trying to build community yeah. because we know that's so important and we're lonely. And we're trying to study the word and we can't find time to do both. Yeah. And so my number one thing that i would say is gather a community Mm -hmm. and study the word together because then you're 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 meeting two deep needs of the soul Mm. at the same time and you're going to be much more able to stay on track and stay focused and keep going Mm -hmm. if you're doing it in community So even if you'd get one friend or three friends or you join a women's Bible study, um, it's going to help you dramatically. And it's also going to help you eliminate a lot of those shoulds Mm -hmm. in your life and those guilt, that guilt in your life, because you're going to realize, you know what, every other woman out there has my same struggle Mm -hmm. and they're not doing all the things either. And the sun still shines over their house too. And their kids are still fine too. And, and it just brings so much freedom to our lives. You mentioned, you know, the whole image portrayal and image maintenance, especially now that goes up on social media. And I just, I don't know everyone's story that I'm friends with, but I know a few of them where what is being portrayed is a literal facade, you know? And so I'm portraying this image that I've got everything put together and I'm doing all the things. That's right. But the fact is my marriage is falling apart over here. My kids hate me. 
and there's major stuff going on in my home but to the world and to the people who don't really know me I still feel the need to so I think another message is don't just believe what you see right right on on the internet like just because this gal who you go to church with seems to do all the things and have it all together it's probably not true right um my wife is very very focused um and says no to a lot of things and and i appreciate that and i don't impose that on her that's just the way she is she she'll say my capacity is limited and I'm going to do the main things God has called me to do in this season well. And in order to do those well, I need to say no to some other really good things that maybe other women who have more capacity than me can do or are in a different season of life sure. can do. And in some ways, I, I think that my wife is a great example um, for that but but I also get to have the conversations with her at home about how that's still a burden for her that sure. the pressure to not sure do everything and right. and so yeah this has got to be something that is is resonating with women who are listening right now and so I appreciate what you're saying um I want to take a hard turn and you, you did some ministry in prisons I did and when you know we got a gazillion requests for interviews and books and in your bio it mentioned that so that's one of the things that when andrew was reading them to me jumped off the page said, i want to talk to this gal about prison ministry yeah. with women so how'd you get into that yeah it, it's a pretty crazy story uh, i was at church one day i was actually working um on my ezekiel study and uh ezekiel was the prophet to the prisoners, right? To the captives, the mm. exiles. They weren't in a literal prison like we think of prison today, but they were exiled from their country. They couldn't go home. Uh, they, they were political prisoners, essentially, in Babylon. And uh, that particular Sunday morning, we uh, had a guest preacher. It was actually our pastor's father. And he was sharing the story of when he was smuggling Bibles into communist Russia. Wow. And uh, when they made the drop of the Bibles at this underground church, they realized he was a pastor, an American pastor, and they begged him to, to stay and to teach the word to them. Wow. And he, his wife was across town in a hotel room. His family of four children were back in the States. He realized if he stayed and he got caught, he would be arrested and most likely imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And so he felt so torn, but he felt so compelled by the spirit that he needed to stay and teach these people the word of God. And hmm. so he actually walked, he pulled a Paul and taught him all night long. He walked them through the entire wow. uh, book of Romans. Wow, that's all, That's a, where I would start too. <laughs> and a bunch of people there got saved. Uh, he got uh, a letter from the pastor of this underground church in Russia several months later that their church had just exploded. Uh, since his visit. Like grown. Grown, yes. Yeah. Not imploded, <laughs> when we're, exploded. When we're Let's talking about the Soviet Union, yes, it might right, have exploded. True. <laughs> yes, no, just grew exponentially. And as I was sitting there, I just felt that that fire in my bones moment. Like, awesome. that's what, God, that's what I want to do. There's mm. a million people here in the States that are, uh, you know, teaching your word, sharing your word, talking about your word, writing books about your word. 
I want to reach the people that nobody wants to go to. Wow. And as I got in my car that day and I drove home, I drove past the women's prison. And I drove past the women's prison, Matt, every Sunday of my life and never thought one thing about it. Where was this? In Arizona, where I live. Yeah. And that particular day as I drove past the women's prison, I just sensed the Holy Spirit say to me, there, go in there. Wow. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm like Susie Suburbia. I'm not sure about this, God. <laughs> and Tuesday, I went to my women's Bible study at church, and there was a new woman at my table. And so I went over and introduced myself and, and asked her who she was and how she came to to our study and she said well your pastor's wife invited me uh, because she invited me to share a little bit about my ministry and I said oh well, uh, what's your ministry and she said well I minister to the women in the prison wow and I the was next like, Tuesday yes two days later and wow. I was like I think I'm supposed to talk to you and that's how I got involved in prison ministry and I will tell you Matt that those two years of my life that I went into the prison every week and opened up the word of God with those women wrecked me oh. because I realized while those women sat in physical captivity, they were free. They were free. Yeah. And while I lived free and had, could buy what I, you know, I lived as a free woman. Hmm. I had so much spiritual captivity mm -hmm. that I had never allowed God access to it's to bring my freedom. And um, yeah, and and many of those women now I'm friends with still, mm -hmm. and watch what to see what God has done in their lives. I mean, they've uh, they've led their entire families to the Lord. Wow. They've gone back to school, and now they are social workers. Mm -hmm. They have. Uh, rekindled relationships with their children, led their children to the Lord. I mean, God has completely transformed their lives, and it's amazing. A ministry that I helped lead back in Northeast Iowa, we're hosting Stephen Curtis Chapman next month for a concert, which we're excited about. And uh, you know the song, Remember the Chains by Stephen Curtis yes. Chapman? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's all in the setting of a prison, or a, a prisoner. Yeah. But who knows Christ? And he's, he's in that song describing that your chains are gone. Even though that's you're in right. chains, yeah. your spiritual chains are gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's a powerful image to say somebody who's locked up is more free than somebody yeah. who's free but locked up. Yeah. 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 So uh, were most of these women in there just for short stints or life or all of the above? All of the above. All of the above. Uh, there were women in there that would be out within 60 days, and there were women that were sentenced for 16 plus years. Wow. Um, you know, so all kind, all ranges of things. Um, the other thing that was really uh, convicting and inspiring about working with these uh, women was how much they knew the Word of God. Wow. And I mean, because they clung to it. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, there would be times I would go in and, and teach something and share something and they'd be like, well, wait, wait a minute. You know, they'd be calling me out because they knew the word so well. That's awesome. And I thought, man, these are like modern day Bereans, right? Like they're checking everything I'm saying That's in awesome. the scriptures. They're going back and they're opening their Bible and they're looking. Um, and I thought, man, wouldn't, I mean, how would it change the big C church? Yes. If we were that committed yep. to knowing the scripture the way these women were, uh, it would be revolutionary. It would be a revival. It would yeah. be an unexpected revival, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the book titles, right? <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Uh, back to the women's Bible study stuff. Tell me something now. Like, I, I've been part of men's Bible studies. Sure. Participating, leading, wake up, throw your ball cap on. <laughs> get there at 7 a.m., grind it out for an hour. No, no pretension, no, yeah. nobody's, like, no one's trying to... Some of these women's Bible studies, they'll like start praying into the church 15 minutes early. Like They got up in the morning, got their hair done, like dressed to the nines. Like, what, what's the difference here? Like, <laughs> what, what's going on? Like, I see my, my wife get ready to go to a, a Bible study or a small group with some girlfriends or whatever it's like. We put all this time into getting ready for what? It's just kind of a time to so community with the ladies is different than community with the guys. We're all just sitting there like, yeah, whatever. We probably stink, haven't brushed our teeth, you know. What help us understand? Help us understand the difference between men and women. Now, this is like a centuries-old. Uh, uh, maybe you need a psychologist out here for that. Uh, um, you know, I think for women. Um, you know, I mean, let's let's just go all the way back to Genesis, right? Mm. And Adam's response when God made Eve, right? He was like, Whoa. wowza, right? Yeah. Whoa, I, man. Yeah, I think there's an innate need in women to feel beautiful. Mm. And I think there, God created us with uh, not, not just a desire to be beautiful, but a desire to cultivate beauty. Mm. Um, that's that is part of our God-given nature, and, mm -hmm. and the enemy of our soul, he twists that and distorts that, and and hisses in our ear with lies that if mm -hmm. we're not beautiful, we won't be loved. Yeah. And the, the two deepest needs of all humans, male, female, are to belong and to be loved. Mm. And so, if we feel like we're not going to belong because we're the only one who didn't brush their teeth. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm kind of laughing that we're even having this conversation because I'm sitting here with no makeup on because I was running late <laughs> this morning. Uh, but, you know, we, we want to belong and we want to be loved. And so if we feel like we're going to be the only one that comes in a ball cap and pajamas, yeah. we're going to feel like we don't belong. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I'm glad that you brought this point up because I think that, uh, you know, this has probably been part of some women's aversion yeah. to jumping into a Bible study because they're like, you know, I don't have time to get up and get all ready to go yeah. and look like, you know, put my Sunday best on or mm -hmm. whatever, you know grab some girlfriends together and say, you know what, we're going to meet at, you know, nine at night after we put the kids to bed and yeah. come in your pajamas Love and it. like, we don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, find your people yeah. that, and go with that. Or, you know, if you're a, a big workout girl, you know, 
go with your workout friends and have your morning workout and then commit to spending an extra 30 minutes together. That's great. Going over a Bible study at the end when you're all in your gym clothes and sweaty and nobody cares. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just find the people that you can do life with. Mm -hmm. and, and chances are you probably already have those people mm -hmm. in your life. Or if you don't, they're all around you. Mm -hmm. I remember... Um, you know, when I was a young mom, um, I I couldn't serve in the church outside of Sunday morning church mm -hmm. because I had two kids. I had a husband who worked just a crazy work schedule, and there was just absolutely no way mm -hmm. I could do anything that didn't have childcare or didn't happen at the church. And I felt like I should serve, and so I signed up to uh, with a ministry with women that we prayed for the service during the service. Oh, perfect. And we huddled in this little closet and I was with these two ladies that were old enough to be my grandmothers, mm -hmm. Matt and little old me, and I go, and these women, mm. I mean, these sweet little women, you know, white haired and man, I mean, I'm surprised the walls of the church didn't shake mm -hmm. with the way these women prayed. That's awesome. They were just, you know, and God, you said in your word that if we cry out, you know, I mean, these women were quoting God's word back to him in awesome. prayer. And that was how I learned how to pray mm. was sitting with Diane and Angela, mm -hmm. you know, one Sunday a month as they're just calling on the name of the Lord in prayer. Um, and so we've got to get out of our shells a little bit. We've yeah. got to step outside of our comfort zone. We've got to get involved somewhere and figure out who our people are because God has, God's plan for the church is to have us interact with those mm -hmm. people so that they can grow us and equip us. And if we just say, well, I don't have time, or they're not like me, or I'm different, or I don't understand them, or I don't fit in there. If we always have that mentality, yeah. we're never going to grow. We're going to stay stuck. Yeah. And and that that those messages are not from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Those messages are from the enemy who wants to keep you isolated. Mm -hmm. Because the more he isolates you, the more he influences you. Yeah. Because he's the only voice that you're hearing. Yeah. And so we've got to just be brave. We gotta be big girls, we gotta be brave, and we gotta say, you know what? Um, I don't really feel like I fit in there, but I'll give it a whirl and maybe I'll meet somebody, mm -hmm. maybe one, at least one person that mm -hmm. I can kind of connect with. Mm -hmm. Another dynamic that I see in small groups that maybe don't function as well as they could, and this is men or women, that you get together and you chit-chat and catch up on everyone's kids and everyone's life and what you're doing and blah, 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 and then for the last 10 minutes, you know, just fly through whatever curriculum you're going through. Uh, and it's kind of like, this is not, and then call it a Bible study. Like, this is not a Bible study. This is a small group at best um, but the whole point of what we were saying at the beginning was you got to be in God's word. That's right. So what's your encouragement or admonition to people who fall into that trap? Yeah. So I think what you just described is what I would describe as more of a life group. Okay. Right? These are people I just do life with. These are people who know how to pray for me, who know what's going on in yeah. my life. Um, you know, one of the things that I say is, is really an X marks the spot for every Christian as far as spiritual disciplines and how we, the things we should be pursuing regularly yep. is in Acts 2, uh, 42 through 43. 
and we just see we see these four things there, Matt, that the early believers were committed to. And the first one was the word. They were committed to the word. They were committed to community. Mm-hmm. They gathered together daily. Um, we probably aren't going to gather together daily, but we might have access to people daily that we could go to in prayer mm-hmm. or ask a question or whatever. They uh, committed themselves to, um, it says, the breaking of bread, which is communion, which uh, I understand, as I have studied it, to really mean a connection to the local church where the sacraments are regularly practiced. So a connection to a, um, you know, the first group are my do life, ride or die people that know all the ins and outs of my life. And the second is the greater fellowship, a local body of believers. And the last one is prayer. So when we think about Bible study, uh, we think about committing our time to something, uh, it really should involve all four aspects. So mm. I'm coming to learn the word. Yep. I'm coming to share the real me, the authentic me and yep. my struggles. I'm committed to serving. So I'm not just showing up to this group to consume and get my own needs met. I'm yeah. coming to serve yeah. as well. And then prayer needs to be involved. And so if you're involved in a study or a life group or whatever, and you don't have all four of those, yeah. then you neither need something else or something different. Yeah. Um, but those are what I see as just the X marks the spot of this is God's plan for believers to grow. Awesome. So I want to turn our attention to your book for a few minutes. In an unexpected revival, experiencing God's goodness through disappointment and doubt. And as I read this the first time, the first thing that jumped off my page was, or jumped off to me was through disappointment and doubt. This isn't just an unexpected revival, but it's in the context of experiencing God's goodness through disappointment and doubt. So talk to us about the disappointment and the doubt. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I know there's hardly anyone out there who's ever experienced any disappointment in their life. I mean, everybody's (laughs) life is perfect, right, Matt? Uh, So disappointment is a part of life, and uh, doubt is a part of life. Um, We, I'll give you a perfect example. If we were to just ask all, everyone who's listening right now, uh, do you believe God can do anything? Yes. I would guess 99% of the people would be like, yeah, I believe God could do anything. Of course it's God. Of course he can do anything. Yep. Um, but if we were to follow that question up with, uh, do you believe God only does the best thing in your life? Mm. There would be people that would, there would be a pause there. Yeah. Or there would be a flat out, no, God has not done the best thing. My yeah. spouse died. I have, a, I have a child who's wrapped up in addiction or a yeah. husband who's wrapped up in how can you t- how can you say God only does the best thing? You yeah. obviously have no idea what my life is like. Right? Yeah. Um, there would be doubt there, and because the human experience is that we we don't see God fixing all of the things that we think He needs to fix mm-hmm. or we, He ought to fix, mm-hmm. and we have uh, told ourselves or we've been told that if we check all the boxes, if we go to church, if we pay our tithe, if we serve, if we try to be a good Christian, if we check all the boxes, God's gonna bless us. Mm -hmm. And then when bad things happen in life, suddenly we're like, well, wait a minute, I'm checking all the boxes. Yeah. And doubt comes in. Yeah. And we're like, now what do we do? Yeah. What do we do with that? Yeah. And so what's, what's, 
fascinating to me in the book of Ezekiel because an unexpected revival goes through Ezekiel. What's fascinating to me is that the people that Ezekiel was called to prophesy to, they felt like they were being punished by God. Yeah. They felt like they had lost God's favor. They felt like they were the forgotten ones. They felt like they were the ones that everything bad was happening to them. But in reality, they were the ones being protected and spared. They could only see what was right in front of them. Yes. They couldn't see the 30,000 foot or the eternal view right. that God could see. And they were the ones that were chosen and marked for revival and for God to do an incredible work in their lives. They were the ones that were first promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and so God's ways are not our ways. Yeah. We can't understand. Uh, we only see the one thing right in front of us that God is doing or is not doing. Mm -hmm. And we can't see the 10,000 things he's mm -hmm. doing all around mm -hmm. us. But yet God tells his people through Ezekiel, like, this is, this is what you see. This is what you think. This is how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. But I'm about to do something in your life you would not be able to even wrap your mind around, even if I were to try to explain it to you. But I'm with you, my hand is upon you, and I have a plan for you. Yeah. And your story's not over. And I think we all need to be reminded of that. Yeah. As we go through difficult difficulty all the way to complete devastation in our lives. Mm. God has not forgotten you. Your story's not over, mm -hmm. and he has a plan for you. Mm -hmm. And if we can continue to keep our eyes on that mm -hmm. and our nose in the book, yeah, um, our story will be a beautiful one. Mm -hmm. But it's not, maybe not tomorrow. Yeah. But in light of eternity, it will. Oh yeah. Don't you think that Americans in particular struggle with what you're talking about? Because we have so many conveniences and comforts that are just available to us. We can buy our way out of anything almost. Sure. And the stuff that we can't buy our way out of, because we have no experience not getting our way. <laughs> and so when something happens that's not what we want, right. we melt down. Be sure. Because we have no coping ability. I think of like in parts of the world where child mortality is through the roof. And I'm not, I mean, man, losing a kid's terrible. Uh, I've never experienced it. I've been close to people who have. Uh, and I think you're entitled to have really, really bad days when that happens. Oh, for sure. But, and but, question God. Yeah, but, but when things go bad like that in America, it seems more pronounced, you know, if, versus if you're living in a part of the world where this is happening every day. Sure. You know what I mean? There's sure. people in my town who are losing kids to malnutrition or to whatever. Every, And that's just one example. And I don't want to be too hard on Americans, but I, I do think that because of how, quote unquote, easy our life is or comfortable or how wealthy we are, sure. uh, we're particularly susceptible to grumbling when things don't go our way. Sure. Uh, another thought I had. This Ezekiel study and the idea of being in Babylon, I mean, we're in Babylon right now. I mean, so, 100%. so does it, 
the, there's a pastor I listen to who's preaching through Daniel right now. And he's talking about Daniel thriving in Babylon. Yeah. And he's saying, like, we're in Babylon and we can thrive too if we learn from Daniel. Um, what would you say about Ezekiel in the same way in terms of us seeing ourselves as captives in Babylon or as exiles in Babylon? Sure. How, how does that jive with where we're at right now in the United right. States as Christians? Sure. Well, I think it completely reframes our perspective because, you know, the people that Ezekiel was talking to, in their mind, for God to bring revival, that meant there had to be the right people in government, Yep. right? That meant there had to be the right religious traditions yeah. that were reinstated and, and sought after with fervor. Um, it had to mean economic prosperity. Uh, they had a definite idea of what God had to do in order for revival to come to Israel. And I think a lot of Americans today, we've got a definite idea mm. of what needs to happen if revival is going to come here. And God is basically saying to his people in the book of Ezekiel, you know, when you put me in this box and say, yeah. I have to do X, Y, Z yeah. in order to revive my people, yeah. you have instantly made me too small. Yeah. I'm God. Yep. I don't operate in any boundaries other than the ones I've set for myself, yep. right? I can't lie. I can't sin. Yep. I can't do anything evil. Um, and so this whole idea of we are in Babylon. Yep. And if we could focus our efforts on the fact uh, that we are not of this world. Yeah. And the world will hate us. Yeah. Just that's what Jesus told his disciples, yep. right? And John, right before he went to the cross. Um, but too often we try to live as part of this world. Yeah. And God's heart for his people, it wasn't that God was so angry at his people that they were um, falling into sin and falling into doubt. God's biggest anger with his people was that he had called them to live set apart, mm. to be a light to the nations, but instead they, they assimilated. They wanted to be like all yeah. the other nations. Yeah. And that was the thing that upset God the most. And so I think what we have to ask ourselves as New Testament believers mm -hmm. living in quote unquote Babylon, yeah. do we look different than the world? Yeah. Do our neighbors and our coworkers see something different about us? Mm -hmm. uh, because if they don't, mm -hmm. then we have become like Babylon mm -hmm. rather than influencing Babylon. Mm -hmm. Daniel was very set apart. It was very yeah. obvious yes. to everyone around Daniel that he served Yahweh. Mm -hmm. He did not serve the Babylonian gods. But for many of us as believers, and I throw myself in there because I get wrapped up in this too, we begin to serve the gods of Babylon and we don't look very much different mm. than the world. Preach. So I think um, we get this idea that following Jesus means there needs to be a better version of ourselves mm -hmm. rather than becoming a more accurate reflection of Christ. Mm. That is and good. those are two very different things because the best version of myself isn't even going to come close to a reflection of Christ. So some of the stuff you just ripped through that's in here yes. and you, you pull that out in the study. Yes. That's really, really awesome. So, um, 
we need to wrap up, but where would you send people to follow you or to get a hold of this or any of the other books that you've written? Sure. So if they go to my website, which is ericawigginhorn.com. With a C-A. With a C-E-R-I-C-A. And Wigginhorn is just like it sounds, W-I-G-G-E-N-H-O-R-N. Uh, you can find uh, all of my books listed there. Under the Unexpected Revival page, there is actually a drop-down menu there where people can download a free leader bundle. Cool. And that will give them sort of an, a whole overview about the study as well as a bunch of revival prayers mm -hmm. uh, that they can pray over their friends, their family. So maybe someone out there listening today was like, man, that's so me. Like, I don't know how to pray. I'm not in the Word. You know, I only know how to pray for sick people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I need to grow in all of these things. Um, go grab those free prayers. That's why they're cool. there. Um, I actually took a poll uh, with my uh, uh, email community that gets my weekly devotional, and I asked them, what is the number one area of your life where you feel like you want to grow as a Christian? And it was overwhelmingly, I need to grow in my prayer life. So that was what uh, instigated awesome. me to uh, write those revival prayers. So, yeah. Great. Erica, thank you so much for your time. God bless your ministry you. and uh, the rest of your time at the conference. God bless you as well. Thanks. <laughs> The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.